Welcome to the DILF Podcast, as in dad, I'd like to friend. I'm your host, Kevin Selden, and as you probably know if you've listened to this podcast before, I am all about the importance of a strong support network for dads, one that I did not have personally when I first entered the world of dad life, which is just one of the reasons I am so excited to welcome a father of two who's been an active stay-at-home dad for over 15 years and who is also the co-founder of City Dads Group, a national organization dedicated to bringing dads together. In today's episode, we share a very eye-opening conversation on how the world's view of fathers has changed over the past two decades, and our responsibility as parents in continuing the evolution of fatherhood. Matt, welcome to the DILF podcast. Thank you for having me on. Of course. So I have known about City Dads Group for a while now. It was one of the first things people brought up to me when I began my extended paternity leave. And I'd just like to introduce everyone to a little of the concept and how it came about for you. Yeah, we are a community of dads uh, with the intention of getting together in real life, whether it's just dads hanging out at a pub getting a beer or on the playground with our kids. It's a little tough right now to get together in real life, but some groups are doing it. We started our first group in New York City in 2008, and uh, slowly some other guys around the country saw what we were doing and wanted to uh, join in. So we found local guys in 41 cities across the United States, one in Canada, to, to do the same. Meet up in, in real life and then get online and, and show the world what it looks like to be an active and engaged dad. I mean, you almost franchised the concept of a, a, a meetup group for dads. Kind of. They're all, they all fall under this City Dads group umbrella. We're, we're a national organization, but really the intention is for the guys on the ground to create something local that makes sense for the guys that are running the group. Some of them are full-time working dads that uh, focus on meeting up for uh, a dad's night out or meeting up on the weekends. Others are run by at-home dads that have time at 10 a.m. on a Wednesday and want to be out with other dads. So uh, we, we want to set the foundation uh, and, and take what we've learned in New York City and other other cities and share that, uh, but really let these guys take it and run with it. I think it's such a, a brilliant idea that you took this group that you started. And, and to be clear, you were a teacher and you started this group with a friend of yours, right? The New York City Dads Group at first. Yes, Lance and I uh, were teachers together at PS86 in the Bronx. I decided to take a a leave of absence to stay at home for what I thought would be a year uh, in 2005. 15 years later, I'm, I'm still at home with my now two boys. Uh, Lance, the way he tells the story, followed in my footsteps three years later in 2008 <laughs> uh, to take some time off from teaching. And he called me up when his wife went back to work after her maternity leave and said, what have you been doing in New York City? Everything is for moms. It's mommy and me playgroups and mommy and me yoga class, music class. And I said, I've been hanging out with a lot of moms and a lot of nannies. And I hadn't really thought that much about it. He's, he's more social, he's more proactive and, and knew that we'd be hanging out. So it was really his, his initiative to start NYC Dads Group, get us on Meetup. Uh, and, and get us on a blog to show the world what we were, were out in the world doing. I, I just love how organic it was. It makes so much sense, and yet no dad really 
dads hadn't jumped on it before you guys were doing it. And I, I love that. It's been fun. I think there have been a lot of dads groups. I think what's made us a little different is that we wanna wanted to really be part of a bigger conversation. We wanted to take what we were learning from our guys and, and certainly put a spotlight on, on dads to show them in a different way that the, the world was seeing dads, uh, but also try to break down some of the barriers that dads were facing to being the dads that they wanted to be, whether it was work, uh, being too much, whether it was uh, societal norms that dads aren't involved. We wanted to break away at those stereotypes and, and really be kind of loud about uh, who we are and who dads can be. I, I love that. Uh, we, we talked a little on our pre-interview about how our stories are quite similar in that uh, each of us decided to kind of take a break when our, our first child was born. And um, I'm just, you know, years behind you. My son is only two. And I decided to take a year off after I did my paternity leave. And it was hard. I was running my own company and I had to drop NBC Universal as a client, which was not an easy thing to do. But I just told my wife, I was I was very unhappy. It took us a long time to get pregnant and I just wanted to reprioritize. But I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by the fact that for me, as much as it's wonderful having groups like City Dads Group around, I still find many things to be the same as it was when you and Lance first started New York City Dads Group with regards to it being a mom's world out there. I'm curious to know how you see things have changed. Uh, it, it is the same, and I'll be honest with you, it is still uh, a mom's world. There are still, uh, if you go to your local music class provider, very possible that they'll still call it a, a mommy and me class. Uh, we, we've knocked on a lot of doors and said, maybe you should call it baby and me and focus on, on the real participant. And, and a, lot of, a lot of places have heard us and a lot of people appreciated the feedback and a lot of people uh, are thrilled to welcome dads to uh, whether it be their, their, their venue or to any conversation that normally only includes moms. I think the media has changed a lot. The, the media now welcomes dads into the conversation in a way that they didn't 10, 15 years ago. If they're doing a parenting story, they don't want only white suburban moms to participate in that story. They want they want perspectives from other other types of parents, whether it be by race or, or, or gender. They want dads to be part of the conversation. So the New York Times, the Washington Post will now call us uh, for a story about school during a pandemic or how are we... Uh, dealing with our children that, that might be on the spectrum. Uh, so that, that's been great. I think marketers also have really changed over time the way they portray dads uh, in advertising. It, it, not that long ago, dads were buffoons. They, they were the joke of, of a lot of ads because they couldn't handle even the simplest of parenting tasks. And right. That was funny. And moms were there to be the heroes and swoop in at the end. That's not okay anymore. Moms didn't like it. Dads didn't like it. It was never we, okay. Yeah, exactly. And now we see that uh, dads, are, they're not heroes in ads. They're not buffoons in ads. They're, they're just portrayed as parents and part of of a family, uh, leading their family and, and parenting just like moms are. So uh, that's been cool. But you're right. In a lot of ways, uh, we still have, have some work to do. Um, work still is, it's hard, uh, especially right now, uh, for dads to uh, get the time that they want to be the best dad they can be and keep their jobs. 
uh, their home. Uh, but the economy's not great right now. Job security is not great right now. So dads, if they're the breadwinners for their family, are are really needing to focus on their family, maybe in a way that uh, they're not comfortable with. So a lot of rethinking of roles and rethinking work right now, uh, which could be a silver lining of, of everything that's going on as well. And I'm curious to hear about how um, I think we have a similarity in that I I run two companies now and I also am an active father. And especially with quarantine, my wife working full time and uh, and we both just kind of balance and we have a schedule. But I, as my own boss, am able to control things a little more. And we talked about this a little in the pre-interview, but you being a uh, a full-time stay-at-home dad, yet simultaneously running a company with City Dads Group and how those things kind of shift and balance and how that works for you. Absolutely. It it took me a long time. I've been an at-home dad for 15 years now, and it took me a while to embrace the role early on. And now it's it's taking me a while to shed shed the title, even though I spend a lot of my time working um, on things not related to to my family, City Dads Group does take up a lot of time, and I think that is what Lance and I have been very intentional about creating something that can ramp up uh, when we have time. We both now have kids that are in school full time during the day, so we can spend that time uh, while they're at school focused on this. But we can ramp it down during the summer, for example, when both of us want to be with our kids during the summer, and we we, we keep things things humming, but we, we aren't as focused uh, during the summer or during school holidays um, as we, we might have to be if we had a different kind of job. I love that. I almost feel like cyclically you and Lance were kind of trained to do that for, as teachers, you know, with summer break. That is definitely how we look at the year still uh, after teaching, but I, yeah, I had never put two and two together before, but yes, we, we, the end of our year is, is, is Father's Day and, the, and September does feel like a, a new beginning for us. I love it. I really, really respect it. I think that the hardest thing I have found throughout all of this is um, I really have to get this email out or I really have to work on this project. And is it due tomorrow? No, but there's something I, I, I want to get it done quicker, but my son wants me. And it's just that, okay, can you just wait 10 minutes? And I have to really hit myself to say, no, I can do that when you go to bed. Or no, I can do that tomorrow. That's, you know, I, I need to enjoy this time. And I, I really love that you, when my assistant reached out to you a while back to talk about an interview, you said, after summer, you know, I'm focused on my family right now. I really respect that. It's not an, an easy choice to make. Setting boundaries. And yeah, that's something that I definitely have learned over time. If I'm going to lead the, this life that I want to lead and, and try to find a way to be good at, at, at two things, I need to, to set some pretty clear boundaries. And this has been at least one place where it's worked out fairly well. It's such a slippery slope. We do a co-parenting series where I invite on my wife and we talk about really brutally honestly about things we're dealing with if we're feeling disconnected and and we haven't been romantic in a while or if uh we we have resentment uh because we haven't acknowledged some things and our fights are getting to a point where we're no longer fighting about what we're talking about it's just resentment from past stuff and i feel like all these things are so crucial to co-parenting and our in our last episode we talked about boundaries a lot and i feel like it's just a slippery slope saying to your kid just five more minutes or sure, you can do that thing that you shouldn't be doing because 
I need to do something else. And then how do you tell them to stop? You can, you can watch an extra hour on the iPad. I mean, that doesn't happen for us with a two-year-old, but I feel like there's so many boundaries that are, that are like, okay, I'm going to do my work thing. So you could do whatever. And then trying to reset that. It's a very fascinating and confusing line. Right. Well, and that's, I think I realized that I couldn't find that line once the kids got home from school. So that's kind of where I shut down my day uh, because I couldn't have them walk in the door and then return back to what I was doing in an effective way. So I knew, and I, I will soon know again when they are finally back at school in whatever way it looks, uh, <laughs> that uh, I have from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. or 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. if they have sports practice or something else, that this is my time that I am focused on work. And once they get home, I, I flip the switch and this is the time that I'm focused on family, but it's definitely can be hard. And especially if you have commitments that don't necessarily sit within conveniently within those hours. And like you've said no to people, I I say, no, I'm not, I'm not available at that time. We can schedule here. Here's when I am available. It's all about priorities. A a topic that came up for me when we were talking in our pre-interview is something that I I kind of struggled with a lot societally. And I feel like I'm an outlier in a lot of ways in that I, I'm very much a hopeless romantic. I don't shy away from it. I am very much in touch with my feelings where my wife kind of thinks feelings are stupid. Uh, and <laughs> and I feel like I, I've always fought this concept of, of masculinity being this kind of lack of feelings, machismo uh, thing. And through the podcast, exploring with a lot of our guests, this concept of of true masculinity. And I had a guest recently say, I think we should just throw out the term masculinity. It's, It's kind of a stupid term we keep redefining and it's not necessary anymore in 2020. But the thing that I struggled with when I first was a stay at home dad for that year was Uh, the breadwinner mentality, which so often is associated with masculinity and is so often associated with with men having that responsibility on their shoulders. And for me, it it was hard when my wife would get home from work because I felt like I needed to justify my time. And she wasn't asking for it. She didn't care. But she would be like, how was your day? And I'd be like, well, these are the things we did. Because I almost like wanted to justify the fact that during that year, I wasn't bringing in as much as she was. And that wasn't always how it worked for us. And I'm curious for you with your extensive experience of almost 15 years doing this, what, what can you teach us about that? One thing that we learned along the way is to think about our life as a whole and not, not put each other into boxes. Uh, we have a whole life that we're trying to build together. Part of that life requires somebody to, to make money. Part of that life requires somebody to do laundry, to get groceries, <laughs> to put dinner on the table, to figure out schools and, and all of that. And we are, we're building a life together. We're building a whole life together. And all of it is, is, is needed and, and part of, of what we, we are doing together. So I, my wife and I went to college together. We both went to business school. I was in business before I was a teacher. She has been in the, pretty much the same area of finance her whole career. Uh, we both could have been, in theory, the breadwinners. We both could have been the caregivers, but we decided to carve our life up like this, live in New York City, um, and and build this life. So uh, 
neither of us have been too worried about who is the one bringing in the money versus who is the one doing the laundry versus who is the one who is going to PTA meetings um, as long as it's all getting done. And that's those are the conversations we're always having and we're, we're rejiggering and thinking about how can we look at our life as a whole and, and continue to, to keep things on the right track. And was it always that way for you too? Were you always this progressive even <laughs> when you first began? We started talking about what we wanted our family to look like before we got married, um, which is a surprise to a lot of people. Um, I love that. Especially having kids. My wife doesn't love it when I say this, but I'll say it anyway. She didn't really want to have kids um, before we decided to, yeah. I mean, not before we decided to date, but we we had been friends for a little while. And having kids was not something that really was was on her radar screen. So as we started getting serious about our relationship, as we started talking about marriage and having kids, part of that conversation is what would our life look like? And we started talking at that point that, that if it seemed right, if it was working out for me to be the, the primary caregiver, whether I was working part-time or full-time, I would be the one that would one to receive the call from the nurse, and she would be the primary breadwinner. So I think we've been pretty intentional about it early on, and, and it, I'm making it probably sound a lot easier than it actually is. It's, I mean, it does take constant communication. Yeah, You're talking about the arguments you have uh, with your wife. The kinds of arguments my wife and I have or the kinds of things that cause tension are I get to be out in the world having fun with the kids during the summer while she's still going to an office and, and working right. uh, 10, 12 hours a day. We Before this summer, we had taken uh, road trips to visit baseball parks um, around the country. We'd be gone two, two and a half weeks. And here we are gallivanting around uh, the United States, going to baseball games and, and good dinners and and having these amazing, fun experiences that she was left out of. And that, that was hard. Uh, she didn't want to be left out of that. So sometimes the best intentions, there's still a breakdown in, in, in the execution. Absolutely. Do you feel that your impetus for wanting this type of lifestyle had anything to do with your upbringing? I know you, you recently lost your father and you had discussed with me in the pre-interview that he traveled a lot for work. Was that any of the motivation behind wanting to kind of be a more active stay-at-home father? Uh, definitely. And I, I don't think it necessarily was, it's something that I've thought about more over the last 15 years than I did necessarily at the time. But I, I knew that I wanted to set up a life where I could be more active in the day-to-day -day, uh, life of our family than my dad was able to be, as most uh, dads of that generation were able to be. The, the, the gender roles were pretty well-defined uh, in the 70s and 80s. Dad, dad goes out to the workplace, makes money. Mom stays home and uh, handles everything there. And that's pretty much how I grew up. My parents uh, had their own business at some or pretty early on as I was growing up. Uh, it wasn't doing that well. So my dad needed to, in addition, go out into the world, traveling the country, doing some consulting work, which had him uh, traveling quite a bit. And he he looks back with, with some regrets. I look back and, and recognize that he was doing what he needed to do, but he missed a lot of things. He missed me 
playing in the band or missed a lot of soccer games. Uh, he, he did, he flew back. Uh, I don't remember where he was, but I was the, the hero in our, our school play. And I had no idea that he was going to be there, but he did fly back. And, and for, for that couple hours that the school play was going on and he was sitting in the front row and that was, that was a big deal, but that he, something he didn't want to miss. Uh, but uh, it's certainly part of, of the equation in, in helping me decide that I wanted to be active and engaged. Um, and certainly my wife and I have, have, have figured this life out. If I would have married someone else and, and been the breadwinner, I still would have found a way to be really active and engaged as a dad. I think it's it's not only commendable, but I love that you didn't let any of the distractions of life get in the way. Even when your business model for City Dads Group started to take off, you still kept to your priorities. You set a boundary and you kept to it. And that is a beautiful thing. Well, and that, that also is a testament to the partnership that I have with, with Lance in terms that we're both on the same page. We, we didn't start this intending it to be uh, what it is now. And it it continues to have to be something that we can fit into our lives rather than something that, that takes over our lives. And that's the same thing that we say to all of our organizers around the country. This is something that has to, to fit into your life. And it's when you're when your family's taken care of, when your work is taken care of, when you have something else to give to this broader community that you're building, um, that's where you, you focus your effort. Right now, there are a lot of guys that aren't in that comfortable place where family's taken care of, work is taken care of, and they're, they're not giving, able to give a lot to their groups. Other guys uh, are in, in a good place and are thriving, uh, creating virtual communities or now even meeting in real life in, in some cases in a socially distant, masked way. But it, it really has to be something that works in the context of, of your family and, and your work. That speaks so much to, to the concept behind this podcast, as well as City Dads Group in general, is the need for support network. And obviously, City Dads Group is all about creating different forums to do meetups for dads, but also just the fact that you had a support network in your partner. So there's ebbs and flows with regards to running the business, just as you know, you need that kind of support network as a dad. Absolutely. And I think that that can translate to the workplace. I think women for a long time have been trying to figure out how to to make work and family work. And I think dads have a lot to learn about how they frame their work and their family in the workplace. We need to come to the workplace and say, I uh, need to be home for my kids doctor's appointment, or I need to be out of the office for my kid's doctor's appointment this afternoon. I need to make sure I'm not working on the weekend so I can focus on my kids. Women have needed to do that for a long time. They've been they've blazed the trail for us. We need to be part of those conversations and, and really figuring out how can we build those partnerships at work with our, our managers, with our colleagues, to figure out how to make family and work uh, and I, I never like to say balance, but to find a, a, a solution that works so you can be the dad that you want to be and also the employee and career person you want to be. I think it all starts with paternity leave. You know, I think it's so important that people say to their bosses, you know, this is th- this is important. This isn't a vacation. I need to support my wife. I need to bond with my child. And I feel like 
there's been many studies and in in one of our past episodes we talked with the phd about how engaging dads in prenatal care is potentially the most powerful way to help set dads up on a positive parenting trajectory and i feel like that's as important for men absolutely and i think well that's i think how we we met was through the dove men plus care paternity leave project that you were working on and working with them on in California. Uh We know, of course, I mean, it it makes sense. Like if you're there active and engaged in those first few weeks and months, you're on the same plane as your partner. If your, your partner who is happens to be a woman and she gave birth to the child, uh, she is, is home uh, on maternity leave. If she's lucky paid, if she's lucky, she's automatically there and, and figuring it all out. If, you as as a, her partner can be there learning all this stuff with her. Uh, it's not rocket science, uh, calming a crying baby or feeding a baby or bathing a baby. It's a matter of practicing and, and having the opportunity to get the job done. And those first few weeks and months set the foundation for being active and engaged. And if you miss out on that, if one person becomes the expert and the other person is always just waiting to be told what to do or waiting to be shown what to do, then you're never going to feel like you're on an even playing field. And it's, it's really hard to catch up. I think that is such an important point and message in that uh, I think um, we talked about episode two of this podcast. And I think I was, I was very angry um, when I started this podcast. I started at the beginning of the year and a lot of it came from just feeling like there was no support and moms weren't supportive. And, and I was angry at the world for not having a place for dads in, in their hearts and, and, and structurally. And I feel like the point you're making is so beautiful in that everything has organically become this way. And it's not it's not anything against dads. It's just that women have been in a role where they've been home and they have been taking the active lead. And therefore, because men have been in the secondary role, society kind of adjusted and, and created a family atmosphere around that. And the only way to really change it isn't with words. It's with action. It's with men actually just stepping up and taking active roles like you are in the home and being the kind of not the main caregiver, but the one who's actually not waiting for orders, you know, and, and taking an active initiative. And I feel like the more people see that happening, the more society organically shifts. And I do, I think that is the next step in the conversation. I think a lot of couples now have children with the intention of being equal. Tasks are often equal dividing in the family doesn't have to be 50 50 but division seems equal but there's a lot and it's called the mental load right now that i think we're we're at a point where couples are thinking about it's not just the tasks it's who's planning those tasks who's deciding what needs to be done who's doing the research figuring it all out and moms still hold a lot of that in families and I think you're exactly right. Dads are going to need to step up, not just I'm willing to do the laundry. I'm willing to run down the checklist that you've provided. I'm willing to create the checklist. I'm willing yes. to figure out. I'm not going to just make dinner. I'm going to figure out what I'm going to make. I'm going to go do the grocery shopping and I'm going to have it on the table at six when everybody is home. And that's, I think, 
where we still an area where we still have some work to do in, in co-parenting and in creating that parenting partnership is it's not just being willing, uh, being ready. It's uh, planning ahead of time and figuring out uh, what needs to be done. I I could not agree more. I think another topic that comes up with this, and I feel like with your experience uh, of not only being very progressive family man, but also having done this for, you know, 15 years is uh, we talk a lot in 2020 about the importance of self-care as a parent. And I feel like this is a, a, a thing just like balance that a lot of us are talking about. But I have found that it was very difficult during that year. And I only took a, a full year of paternity leave, but for stay-at-home parents to take that time because I feel like there is this weird guilt that's societal and not real, but you know, you are with your kids and you're going and traveling and going to these baseball games and enjoying yourself. And your wife is, is uh, the breadwinner and you're both working. You're both, you know, it's still, you're each have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders, but I find sometimes the, the person who's in more of the caretaker role has trouble prioritizing self-care because it's almost like, well, I'm not going to the office every day. And I'm curious to know your opinions on that. Yeah. And I like how you're framing it as, as the role that you're in versus the gender that you are, because I do think a lot of, a lot of the conversations we're having really are about the role, primary caregiver, primary breadwinner, uh, really leads to a lot of this. And I, I, for me, especially in those early years, I totally agree that self-care was was uh, a privilege that I didn't earn. Um, I had stepped away from work. I had stepped away from everything to be home, and I'm going to be the best damn dad that I that has ever walked the face of the earth. And that means spending every moment thinking about what Max was going to be eating, or what music class we were going to be going to, or what form of enrichment we were going to find together, or part of New York City we were going to go to. And that has nothing to do with being a good dad and certainly not something that, that Max needed. Max didn't need all of me. Um, and that it took me a while to figure that out, um, that uh, being an at-home parent didn't mean that I had to, to give all of myself. I still needed to take care of myself. I still was allowed to have interests outside of being Max's dad and... It, it, I think it's it's a journey, and I think it's it's hard when when you're off for a week or a month or even a year. It sounds like to um, give yourself that, but once you kind of embrace the role and say, "Okay, this is my role," how do I then figure out how to fit other things into that? And I, I don't talk about work-life balance. I talk more, a lot more about life-work balance. So for me, it's a lot harder to fit work into life than it is to fit my life around work. So yeah. I've had to find ways to figure out if I do this during the day, that means I'm not going to be at school for whatever volunteer program that I could have, have done. And, and that's okay. I'm allowed to do something outside of just being Max and now Sam's dad. And, and, in truth, it, it makes you a better dad. Of course. It makes them appreciate you more, almost respect you more that you're taking time for you. There's a lot of conversation about helicopter parents, and, and, and I think it, it's out there now that that's, that's these over-the-top parents and, and being there, fulfilling your child's every need isn't 
good for your child. So not only is it is it good for you to take care of yourself, good for you to make sure you have interests outside of your child, it's better for your child to to see that you are taking care of yourself, to see that you have interests outside of just them. And you're a role model for your child. So being so singularly focused on how they turn out is not going to be healthy for anybody involved. I could not agree more. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Any final dad truth to leave us with? You know, I think we've been, we get so worked up about uh, parenting and uh, being the best dads that we can be, the best parents that we can be and we worry so much we see something in our child that we don't like or we're going through a stage uh, that we don't like and I, I I always try to remind people that parenting is a, is a marathon and that being a dad is a marathon and certainly you want to sweat some of the small stuff but don't don't sweat all of it and, and make sure you're finding time to really enjoy uh, the the journey of being a dad and make sure you're taking that time to enjoy it and not just be focused on on all the tasks and all, all of the checks that need to be ticked off the list. Really enjoy the journey and develop that relationship with your child over over time. You're, you're raising an adult and the, the relationship changes over time, but it's something you want to want to have at the end. You want to have that really strong relationship with your, your child is different than it is when your child is two, obviously. My, my kids now are 15 and 12, and uh, the relationship we have is continuing to change, and I love, I've been loving every age that they've been at, and I, I certainly not looking forward to them leaving, but I'm, I'm enjoying seeing them become adults and, and look forward to seeing where they're going to go in the world. I absolutely needed to hear that, I think. <laughs> That is so important for a lot of us who are in quarantine, especially with younger kids, just realizing that it's so important to take the time to enjoy right now and not worry so much about ticking off everything on your list. Thank you so much for taking the time, Matt. This was a wonderful talk. Thank you. Thanks again for having me on. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please remember to subscribe and don't forget to write a review. Until next time.